Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Drosky Show as I speak is Friday, January 19th, 2024. For some reason, I almost said June. <laughs> I've really lost track of time. It's because it's so hot in my attic. I'm not complaining, ladies and gentlemen. Thank goodness I have heat, okay? I'm just saying, when that heater gets going, it gets hot. All right, as I always do, I like to start off with a little news uh, before I bring on my distinguished guest. Uh, and the latest news that has me absolutely fascinated, I must uh, say, uh, is Donald Trump's realization that his uh, greatest challenger to winning the Republican nomination is uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Uh, it's uh, pretty much everybody else has dropped. Well, everybody else has dropped out of the Republican primary except for uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, and he's a complete joke on so many levels. Uh, yeah, but obviously, you can always tell in politics who the leading challenger is by who the front runner starts attacking. So it's pretty clear that whatever tracking polls Donald Trump has and MAGA has have identified Nikki Haley as his threat. And they've emerged from Iowa. Donald Trump got roughly 51% of the vote at the Iowa caucus. Nikki Haley uh, got about 19%, and uh, DeSantis got 21%, something like that. Uh, and But now in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley's doing better than DeSantis. And if she wins in New Hampshire, uh, she'll probably I'll give her momentum going into South Carolina, which is her home state. She wins two in a row, Donnie's in trouble. So he's attacking her. And he's attacking her the way he generally attacks people, which, in my humble opinion, uh, he usually goes to racism. That's where he heads. Uh, and he tries to pick people's, like, the prejudices and fears they have for folks who are different. Uh, so we're going to get into this in a, a greater detail uh, with my distinguished guest. But first, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself. Hey there, I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a member of the Sun-Times editorial board and a columnist at the newspaper. Yes. 
dear friend of the show and a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. And she just finished one heck of a column, which I have not read yet. So I'm assuming it's one heck of a column. Uh, they usually are pretty good. Uh, and so we'll talk a little about her latest column uh, at the end of the show. Uh, but Ramon, I don't know if you've been paying attention uh, to how Donald Trump is turning his attention to Nikki Haley, uh, but he has been turning his attention to her. Uh, and so uh, there's a funny little bit on Comedy Central that I love to play now that kind of gets to the heart of what Donald Trump's up to. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to ask producer uh, Nate, DJ Nate, to play this, and then I would love for Ramana Hussein to take it away and riff as only Ramana can. So DJ Nate, play the bit. Progress. Donald Trump's new nickname for Nikki Haley is racist, but in a kind of weird way. Trump called Haley Nimbra multiple times in a recent social media post, which is kind of close to her birth name, Nimarata. This shows real maturity from Trump, who typically opts for more straightforward racist nicknames like Barack Hussein. Hussein. Emphasis on Hussein, Obama. But this time he went with Nimbra, a bewildering racial epithet that causes the reader to think, hmm. I know that's racist, but I'm not sure how. Sociologists were impressed with Trump's ability to both evoke a racist dog whistle while also confounding the hell out of anyone who thought about it for more than three seconds. Three cheers for the Republican frontrunner who is blossoming before our eyes from bigoted to bigoted, but in a confusing way. Okay. <laughs> bigoted, but in a confusing way. All right, Ramana, there's a lot to unpack there, uh, and you have dealt with this issue. Uh, we're way ahead of the game on the Ben Jarofsky Show, thanks to Ramana Hussein, who's been explaining this stuff to us for over a year. She explained uh, Vivek Ramaswamy to all of you Chicagoans out there over a year ago, and then I watched while the national media caught up to where Ramana was. What took you guys so long, huh? Uh, all right, Ramana, take it away. Donald Trump is playing some games with Nikki Haley, and you know what those games are. The ball is in your court. Go. Clearly painting her as, um, you know, quote unquote foreign by calling her Nimbra. And by the way, the comedy bit, um, I know it's not her fault, but it's actually pronounced Nimbrata. So, I mean, I don't expect most people to pronounce Nikki Haley's birth name correctly. Nikki is actually a nickname, and I could see that a lot of Indian people do have nicknames. So that was probably her nickname. But Nikki Haley probably chose to go with Nikki over Nimratha because, let's face it, Nikki Haley has been able to pass as white. Her skin's lighter, and she kind of, like, you know, wears the very preppy type of clothes so she can look a certain way. Um, so that really helped has helped her. But um, Donald Trump, who had appointed Nikki Haley as his UN, was it his UN ambassador? Yes. Um, you know, I guess she was all American, uh, non-foreign then. But now that she's, you know, one of his challengers, he's trying to portray her as um, someone who is not, quote unquote, an America first or, you know, an American from what a lot of MAGA people think of as so that, and, and like, you know, you know, like the joke or this bit has been pointing out, you know, he did the same thing with Barack Obama. Donald Trump is, is, as many of us recall, was a birther, meaning he believed that, um, he believed that Barack Obama, or at least tried to push the thing that Barack Obama was not born in the United States, you know, didn't have an American passport. And we all know, of course, Barack Obama is American. And because he has 
Barack Obama, who used to go by Barry, by the way, when he was younger, because Barack Obama's uh, middle name is Hussein, which is a very um, Muslim sounding name. Um, that's obviously my last name, too. Um, you know, a lot of people like Donald Trump would go on and stress that Barack Obama's middle name was Hussein. You know, they would say Barack Hussein Obama. Not that Barack Obama is, uh, you know, a name like John Smith, but I think the Hussein, <laughs> yeah. the Hussein definitely, like, you know, it was an attempt to quote unquote vilify Obama further. And it's kind of sad because, like, Hussein in the Muslim world is pretty much like a Smith. And so it's it's just interesting. There's so many people with the last name Hussein and um and I can't believe it was pretty recent that um a lot of people were trying to use that to vilify Barack Obama. And 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 I, I even feel like even the Democrats are trying to distance like his like quote unquote foreign sounding name. I mean at the time you know, we all know Barack Obama did live overseas while he was younger. You know, he did live in a lot of Muslim countries. His father was was Muslim, as was a stepfather. And I remember, like, even the Democrats were trying to push that, like, narrative away because they wanted people to think that, you know, Barack Obama didn't ever live in a foreign country. And 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 honestly, that's sad because what's wrong with an American living overseas or even going to schools where there were Muslims, because I think they were trying to distance his connection to Muslims too. This is his own party. So it's sad. I mean, uh, it's the oldest trick in the book when there's someone who isn't white to make them seem as a candidate who is, quote, less American. So that's what Donald Trump is doing. And honestly, if we, if anybody who's <laughs> Unless they're living under a rock, everybody knows uh, the playbook for MAGA and Trump-style Republicans is to paint people who are black and brown as the other. Uh, what do you think about the joke uh, the, uh, the, uh, in the bit where people understand there's something racist about it, even if they don't know specifically what's racist about it? Uh, I thought that was pretty, yeah. uh, uh, pretty sharp on their part. Yeah, for sure. Because it's it's saying that, you know, it's not like racist to have, it's not like wrong to have a name like Ramana or Nimra or any other name that isn't like Ben, I guess, but, or Donald, which I think not that many people have. The only other person that I know named Donald is Donald <laughs> Duck. But, um, you know, I guess, I guess the comedy bit is, is, is showing that, yeah, it, it, you know, to have, it's not wrong to have a quote unquote name that isn't, you know, considered the norm, but by, you know, so they're just kind of saying like, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to say that, you know, it isn't racist or it's not wrong to have that name, but by Donald Trump doing this, it's, he's, he's trying to embolden or get um, all the racists all fired up. Mm. Uh, and he's, he's mocking her. Yes. Yes. He, he's mocking her. Uh, and let, and he's he's essentially saying without saying it, she calls herself Nikki, but that's not her real name. Uh, and oh, my goodness, um, Romana, I've heard this bit done with so many different ethnic groups, Jewish people. They'll give like he he calls himself John Stewart. But then and I've, I forget what John Stewart's birth name is, but it's not Stewart. It's something that's uh, more of an obviously Jewish sounding name. And so like, like yeah. his real name is X, Y, Z. and it's like 
we've revealed him. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like he was trying yeah. to conceal some horrible secret about himself from us. That do you think that's also what he's playing at? Um, you know, I don't think I mean the sad thing is in this country, a lot of people who are people of color have or, or, you know, that, I, I don't know if that includes, I don't know, do you consider yourself a person of color? But anybody who's not a wasp in America, um, they, especially in the entertainment industry, to get ahead, they would de-ethnicize their names, right? Um, there were so many famous actors and actresses, I should say actors, that's a preferred term, that you realize when you get older that they had different names. Like Martin Sheen's last name um, was Estevez. And so that's why one of his sons has the name Emilio Estevez. And then, you know, his other son, Charlie Sheen, kept the stage name. And then there's so many actresses from the 50s and like 40s and 50s who had like, you know, black or brown lineage and they kind of hit it. There was this one actress in the 40s, I don't know, 30s, 40s, 50s, I don't remember. Her name was Merle Oberon. And um, I remember reading that her mom was actually South Asian. And she kind of hid that too. And, you know, I, I think she once even told someone that her mom was the help. Like she didn't want to, you know, she tried to distance herself away from that. Um, growing up, Ben, I actually... Um, I didn't know that many people who changed their Jewish names because I went to a school that was predominantly Jewish. But I knew a lot of people who were um, like either Iranian, Greek and other different ethnicities. And they changed their names, you know, um, from like a more, you know, foreign, quote unquote, foreign sounding name to something that sounded more acceptable to the American ear. I think you've seen that changing a little, but I don't think, you know, I think a lot of Jewish people change their last names because someone said that, oh, you know, that's not going to sell. You got to change your name to this. I think you're seeing it less now, but it was, it was common up until like the eighties and nineties. I mean, you, you find out, you Google someone on Wikipedia sometimes, and then you realize they had a completely, they have a completely different last name than the one you know. Mm -hmm. So it's very common. And, and there's even some people with, who are very American, um, you know, there's white ethnic sounding names, Polish names. They change their names too, to make it sound more acceptable to the quote unquote um, American ear. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think John Stewart, I don't think John Stewart has been trying to hide his Jewishness because he's talked about it so much, mm -hmm. you know, so I mean, it's it's not Nikki Haley. She's a different she's a different story, though, because I think initially she did try to pass herself off as white. And then once she started, you know, running, wanted to show showed an interest in running for president, then she started coming off with that. Hey, I'm just I'm a daughter of hardworking Indian immigrants. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of started using that as like leverage to talk about some of her more unsavory takes on race and, you know, showing like, Hey, my parents made it. So, so could all you other black and brown people. There's no racism in America, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I do think that um, she has definitely like tried to obscure the part that she was Indian initially. And as soon as her star began to rise a little more, then she started, you know, coming out with the, Hey, I'm Indian kind of mm. narrative out there. So um, it, she's definitely done that. But at, at, at the same token, look at the party she's a part of. I, um, you know, that's, that's what, that's what um, a lot of people in the party want to hear. They want someone 
to be quote unquote more, um, I guess, you know, more like them. So that's, so that's just the game that she's been playing since she started. Well, let's take a little deeper dive into that because it's a pretty insidious game and it's really one that's going to work against her. So here's uh, the, I'll, I'll lay out my theory on the game and then you uh, jump in. So the game is this. The official position is more or less I could tell from the Republican Party these days, which is controlled by MAGA. The official position on the Republican Party on race is that America is not, repeat, not a racist country uh, and that uh, even slavery, as horrific as it is, even slavery was not necessarily a bad thing because as Ron DeSantis uh, pointed out in Florida, uh, you know, slaves learned trades that they could put to use once they were no longer slaves. I'm trying to say this with a straight face because it's such an abomination uh, that anybody would pro- proclaim it, but that's pretty much the official position of the Republican Party right now. And as such, Nikki Haley appealing to Republicans has to play along with that game. So for her, it all began about two weeks ago when she answered a question, I believe in New Hampshire, when somebody asked, uh, what are the causes of the Civil War? And she neglected to mention slavery. And now she has been persistently asked about that repeatedly. And so I'm watching her duck and dive and dodge and and try to weave her way around this construct. And right now she seems to have settled Ramana on the following uh, talking point. Yes, there has been racism in uh, this country in the past and that she as a quote unquote brown girl growing up, that's what she called herself in South Carolina, may have been the victim of some occasional racism. But America is not a racist country. And if we call America a racist country, then we're actually doing a disservice to all the Nikki Haley's and Ramana Hussein's of the world because they will think that they cannot achieve anything in America because it's a racist country. And so they will give up trying. Uh, and uh, so that is where she is right now. And here comes Donnie uh, mocking her name, uh, maligning it intentionally to draw attention to the fact that she's quote unquote, not white. How could she, res- how could she come back? She can't say that's a racist attack. That's not, a det- she can't say, Oh my God, he's trying to exploit the racism in my party without saying, Oh yeah, there's racism in my party. So it's kind of a trick bag. Your thoughts, Ramana? I mean, no matter how you cut it, I mean, there's racism in America. I guess you want if you don't want to say it's a racist country, I guess you can do like all these sort of um, uh, linguistic gymnastics around it. But you can't say that racism is not part of this country, and that's what the fact that Nikki Haley can't say can't get herself to say that slavery is what causes the civil war. This is something that we all learned in eighth grade, you know, when we all had to like pass a constitution test in order to get, go into high school. Um, You know, it was part of our constitution test where we had to learn about the civil war. So if she has such a hard time or if she feels like she has to like dance around the subject, that just shows you how racist this country is. And then, like you said, the response of Donald Trump, you know, reacting to Nikki Haley is racist too. And so how can, and then how can you say that there is not racism or xenophobia in this country? I mean, I, I could be president of the United States. I could, I could say that 
you know, the civil war was called caused by slavery. I can like go on all the facts and I could be the perfect candidate, but because I'm Muslim, I doubt I could ever become president. I could be like perfect and I would not be president of the United States in 2023. Maybe it'll change in the future. I mean, we haven't even had a Jewish president. So I just feel like for someone, people can, I mean, if you don't want to say America is a racist country, you don't want to take that strong of a stance, you can still say that, yes, racism has been part of this fabric of this country since its inception. But I, I, people just don't want to say it. And Nikki Haley, I mean, she did face racism. You know, there's no way she's around my age. And I grew up um, in Chicago, which was more racially diverse. And I was, I was, I was dealing with racism in, in the seventies, you know, when, when, you know, multiculturalism wasn't uh, celebrated as much as it was, and it wasn't cool to be Indian. So I, I have no doubt that she was, and I'm glad that she could admit that at least, but I, I just don't know why it's so hard for her to say that, you know, racism is a problem in the country. She doesn't have to call it a racist country, but it's just insane how someone who's dealt with racism can't admit that this is a theme that a lot of people have had to deal with, or this is a problem that our country has still not figured out or has not solved yet. Well, I, uh, she can't say that because yeah, I know, I know, I know why she the, can't. The fl- flies in the face of, face of the official position of the Republican Party is that racism is no longer a problem in the United States, unless. Romana, unless it's liberals picking on a black conservative. Yeah. Then all of a sudden. <laughs> then then every then everybody starts then everybody starts all the Republicans then start using the language of the woke. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's 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 the best part of it. When they're all of a sudden calling you a racist because you're calling out <laughs> someone of color who is saying stuff that they want them to say. So yeah, it's it's pretty funny how there are a lot of people that are co-op, you know, people who complain about being woke and the woke, woke, you know, police. They're the ones who co-opt a lot of the language when it's when it it basically fits their needs. Oh, my goodness. You got that right. I know Clarence Thomas at the top of the list, man. This guy uh, rose to the top by telling white people exactly what they wanted to hear. Oh, racism doesn't exist. Oh, prejudice doesn't exist. Just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Oh, people use this as a crutch. They didn't have woke back then, but if they did, he would have been saying woke, woke, woke. Then he gets in trouble because Anita Hill reveals that he was uh, sexually harassing her. Then he starts sobbing. They're picking on me because I'm black. (laughs) Wait wait a minute, man. What? (laughs) Damn. Uh, What about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps? Uh, all right. Yeah. So it's a, um, what do you think if Nikki Haley just suddenly just found her inner Ramana Hussein and just said, let's call it for what it is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there is racism at play in America. We could deal with it. Okay. But we have to confront it. We have to acknowledge that it exists. Uh, wow. What if a movie, can you imagine a movie where Nikki Haley wakes up and suddenly she's speaking like that? Um, what do you think will happen, Romana? What, to Nikki Haley? Yeah, if she started I, speaking the truth. Oh, um, I mean, then I think the Republican Party would abandon her. Like anybody who thought that, you know, who was like supporting her and said that she was the sane candidate out of the Republicans, <laughs> I think even they would, they would, uh, they would abandon her too. Um, I don't think that will happen um, unless like there's some sort of bizarro, 
um, thing that happens overnight and all of a sudden she's like a different person. That would be, a, that would make a good movie. I think yeah. like, you know, where there's a candidate of color who like says everything that the MAGA types want. And then suddenly they wake up like, you know, <laughs> they have like a fairy godmother or someone who sprinkles some like pixie dust on them. And then all of a sudden they wake up and, you know, they're saying everything that they wanted to say, but couldn't. And, you know, so I think, I think that would be pretty, pretty funny. That that, that's, 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 that's our movie. That's the movie we're going to, we're going to write. When All right, we let's get working time. on that one. That's yeah. like one of, okay, now I'm going to really uh, get Ramada to roll her eyes at me. Yes. I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan. I acknowledge that. I openly admit it. Liar, liar. I don't know if you ever saw that one. That's where we woke up and he's a lawyer and he can suddenly he cannot tell a lie. I remember that. <laughs> you remember I was be laughing at that movie so many times. I've watched it at least three times. Are you a Jim Carrey fan? I like, you know, I used to like him a lot when he was in Living Color. And then, like, you know, then, you know, I know he got hyped up. And then kind of through the years, like, I liked his initial movies. And then, like, later on, I think I um, may, might not have liked, liked him that much. But he hasn't really done too much in, in the... He's, he's vehemently anti-Trump. Do you know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know that. He does, like, doesn't he do drawings of Trump or something? Yeah. Or something like that. I'm not sure. I remember he did artwork because someone was sharing with me his artwork. I'm going to put the argument out there that me, myself, and Irene is one of the greatest movies of your generation. There, I said it. Yeah, I said I, it. I think I did see that one. That came out in the 90s, right? Yes. 90s movies. Yeah, yeah. They're always, that was kind of his era. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've, I could talk about Jim Carrey for a long time. I think he's a comedic genius. All right. Enough on Jim Carrey. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, the box uh, that Nikki Haley's in. Uh, and, uh, we'll go, we'll close down, uh, with, uh, the presidential talk with, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, dropping out of the race. Uh, and folks just go back and read Ramada's column about him. Like I said, she was covering, uh, that beat long before anybody else knew he was in the race. Um, wow. Ramada, what do we do with this guy? You know, <laughs> what a... What a weird guy. I've, I don't think I've ever seen, oh, am I going to say this? Uh, a stranger, otter political campaign. We, I was talking about this with our guest uh, on Wednesday, Monroe Anderson. And he was, he, I said something like that to him. And he goes, what about Herman Cain? And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of parallels between Herman Cain uh, and Ramaswamy. Uh, anyway, so uh, he leaves the race and immediately... Um, the uh, uh, the right wing onion comes out with a fake headline that says he's Trump's going to name him to run the Seven Eleven at the White House. Um, just so you know, folks, there's no Seven Eleven at the White House, uh, and uh, so obviously um, they were making fun of him in his background. Uh, he's Indian American, and then he jumped. In. He goes, "Oh, I get the joke. I like the joke. It's only white people who find it offensive." Uh, that was his official take. It's only white people, woke white people. Uh, it found it offensive. Um, so you take it away. Did you find the joke offensive? Did you find his candidacy offensive? Your thoughts? <laughs> well, you know what I thought. You know what I. You know what I think of him. I think everybody on the show wonders what I think or does know what I think of him. Doesn't have to wonder what I think of him. Um, I just find both him and Nikki Haley just. Uh, just uh just perplexing to say that just to, to to be nice about it um i 
I just don't get why you would want to be that candidate where you kind of deny, you know, your, I mean, I'm not, Vivek Ramaswamy is not, I, I can't say that they're totally denying their background because they do talk about being Indian, but then like, you know, you're embracing your culture on one hand, but then you're showing everybody how much like MAGA you are. And that's what has been very hard for me as a South Asian. I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy is Hindu and he always talks about how happy he is being a Hindu, but then he's always out there telling, you know, evangelicals how Christian he, he's more Christian than they are, you know? And it's just like, why do you even have to do that? And, you know, it's like the joke about 7-Eleven and, and I've made jokes about Indians in 7-Eleven and Dunkin' Donuts, like my, my friends and I have, but we don't like it when other people like who aren't South Asian make jokes like that. And for him to say like, Oh, like, I think he like, so he, he tweeted that tweet and basically said, I'm a survivor. Like, you know, like, Oh, this doesn't bother me. And I find it so funny. And so, and, and I, I looked at some of the comments and of course the MAGA types are like, yeah, you can take a joke. You're not a snowflake. And, and listen, I'm sure, you know, my friends, like some of my friends can probably make seven 11 jokes with me too, but I, I I don't know if I, if I was running for a party and then, so, you know, I lost and I or wasn't, you know, I stepped down from my candidacy and then that's what my party would like come up with or like, you know, I, I wouldn't be so happy about it. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, like obviously I'm South Asian, so I've been called certain things because of my South Asian-ness and then being Muslim, like, you know, I am always like associated with terrorists, um, being oppressed and, and frankly, I find a lot of it offensive. And like I said, I grew up in the 70s when people thought being Indian wasn't cool. They had no idea what a Muslim was. And I still get triggered by certain words um, that people called me and um, and it, it bothers me. And then when I watch the cultural appropriation by the type of people who would make fun of me, makes me so mad. And that's why, that's why Indian people get so annoyed when they see like, non-Indians, especially white people, kind of embracing Indian culture and like trying to act like they invented Indian things. And I'm like, hey, you made fun of me when I did the same thing, like in the 70s and 80s. Don't try to act like you invented this. You know, we get so it, it's 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 a universal thing, no matter how you feel, um, no matter who you are as an Indian, like the different religious groups, like we cannot as a group, I know South Asians cannot stand that and it bothers all of us. And we all, we all have jokes and watch comedians who make fun of um, white people and their love for Indian culture and how they mispronounce like things like namaste, which they all say in yoga and overuse also. So it's, 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 it's just, I don't know. Vivek Ramaswamy is just, um, he got really, you know, he, we've talked about him because when he came in May, I, I was very upset because, um, because he was basically using, you know, a lot of concerns people in the South side had over the housing of migrants to kind of create a further wedge between the black and brown, other brown communities. And so that was frustrating for me. And that's why um, it was, I felt like it was important for me to do an article on it. And at the time, Vivek Ramaswamy wasn't that big of a name, but I remember just being very highly annoyed as an Indian person. And um, one of the things that a lot of Indian people have been talking about how there have been right-wing Indians in politics, not only in the United States, but in Britain and elsewhere. And someone said that they wish, we should do a study on, on that, on these right-wing 
leaders um, in England and the United States. And someone pointed, you know, we always point out how during um, when the British ruled India, there was always those Indians that supported everything that the British occupiers did. And the, we think that the Indians who are the Vivek Ramaswamis and the Nikki Haley's are basically cut from the same cloth. Well, uh, that's quite a put down. Uh, I, well, I always draw the distinction between Nikki and Vivek. I think the guy uh, is worse than Nikki. And then uh, we, we, this is an ongoing debate on this show. You push back and you know, Nikki's pretty bad. Uh, and, uh, and then you, <laughs> Bobby Jindal gets thrown into the mix. Oh yeah. Bobby Jindal. <laughs> we, well, we, me, me and a friend were texting yesterday and he goes, I thought it couldn't get worse than Bobby Jindal. And I said, <laughs> I think Bobby Jindal and uh, Vivek Ramiswamy should have like a sellout face off. <laughs> And see who wins. But yeah, actually, Bobby Jindal, I kind of felt sorry for him because I don't know. He seemed like really like, I don't know, something about him is very tragic. I don't know if it was like his whole package, but he just he didn't he doesn't he didn't come off the same way Vivek Ramaswamy did. But he just came off as like so pathetic in a way where he was trying to like brush off his like Indianness. I remember he said something like, oh, my parents never really made Indian food. And he talked about how he wore cowboy boots and liked to hunt. And I'm not saying you can't like cowboy boots and like to hunt, but it's so sad when you're trying to keep yourself like, you know, um, away from your Indianness. I remember there was a Washington Post article where like he had a he had a party and he had called or someone from his campaign had called all his family friends who were Indian and asked them not to show up in Indian attire and they were so mad. They went to the Washington Post and talked about how they were so disappointed and they didn't feel like they should have to tone down their Indianness. And that's what they felt like Bobby Jindal was doing. So, yeah, it's, it, I guess it's Bobby Jindal started a trend. And, <laughs> and now it's like we're, we're like we're overrepresented in the Republican Party. It's just like, <laughs> oh, my God, what is happening? So, yeah, there's been a lot of discourse. I mean, um, you know, obviously I'm talking about it with you, but there's a lot of discourse in the Indian community. You know, there's been articles about like how people are, you know, even though they don't agree with the politics, they think it's still incredible that, you know, there's Indians who can run as president. But then there's some others who are like, yeah, that's a representation we get. No, thanks. So there's been a lot of discussion about it. I should share with you next time I, I, I see one of the articles written by um, a publication that's run by South Asians or an article written by South Asians, because they're always good. And they're always a really good take about how um, a lot of South Asians are feeling. All right, let's move on to a different topic and something else you knew a lot about uh, and talked about in the past. We haven't brought it up uh, lately, and that is uh, uh, E. Jean Carroll's uh, ongoing litigation against Donald Trump. Uh, and E. Jean Carroll is the writer uh, who claims that Donald Trump raped her uh, in a dressing room at Bergdorf, I think back in the 90s. Uh, she wrote about it uh, in an essay. Uh, and, and in a book, and uh, when it was revealed that she didn't use Trump's name originally, but when it came out that the person was Trump, Trump utterly denounced her, trashed her, said she's a liar, she's not his type. Uh, and he's been ongoing with his trashing of her. Uh, she filed a defamation lawsuit against him. She's prevailed on two different lawsuits. I'm not going to bore everybody with the details. Uh, follow this one closely. There's all kinds of uh, legal ramifications to this. I urge everybody to check out my conversations with Jim Coogan about the legal end 
of this. But then we're getting uh, right now. Uh, there is the um, damages portion of the trial uh, in New York, where they uh, a jury is being asked uh, to figure out what uh, Donald what the impact. Uh, has been on her career and then uh, assess damages to her by Trump. Trump's showing up at the trial in an attempt to bully her uh, and uh, did not testify in the trial, but is spending a lot of his time uh, talking very loudly so the jury can hear him, uh, totally violating the rules of procedural and the decorum that uh, the judge is trying to keep in a courtroom. If it was any other defendant in the United States, he would be in jail. Uh, for contempt of court. Ramana Hussein knows this. She covered uh, the courthouse and, uh, at uh, 26 and Cal. Just for a moment, pause. Ramana, just think about any defendant who utterly defies a, a judge the way Donald Trump has done in, well, in his fraud case in New York uh, and uh, his uh, E. Jean Carroll case in the, uh, also in New York. So if two sets of rules in this country, of course, uh, we all know that. Donald Trump is... Uh, succeeding with his uh, set of rules that are very lenient. But why don't you talk about the the impact it has on E. Jean Carroll. Just explain to people who E. Jean Carroll was, or is, excuse me, her career before she became known uh, to our culture, largely as the woman who sued Donald Trump. So E. Jean Carroll um, is basically, was, was the advice columnist for Elle magazine, which is a fashion magazine that I started reading so since I was 18 years old. I feel like the print publication, they've kind of dwindled down on the print publication. I haven't gotten one in a few months, but I, I am a subscriber still. But she um, had an advice column that was very popular. And um, a lot of people who followed fashion knew that she was someone that um, had this column. And so I, I think as soon as she filed that suit and she talked about it, in in her column, she ended up stepping down from her position at Elle magazine. So she was someone, and, and she's written books as well, too. So um, anyone who kind of read that magazine knew her. So as soon as like her name came out, I, I, I knew exactly who she was. And so she's been someone um, who's been respected for a long time. She's a writer that's been respected for a very long time. Um, I guess I guess the average you know, heterosexual male probably never heard of her um, until the Donald Trump suit came out. So, you know, she's someone who's, you know, relatively smart and um, I shouldn't say relatively. She's someone who's intelligent and, you know, understands the law. And so I I I, th I feel sorry for her because, you know, I didn't always agree with her advice. Sometimes I would read it and be like, I, it was kind of it was entertaining. Um, I, I just think that it's it's sad that, um, you know, a woman who has a reputation, now she's kind of just been reduced to, um, you know, someone that Donald Trump had attacked. And uh, I just think it's sad. I mean, she's older, so she probably is close to retirement. But it's sad that this is what um, has capped off what people know as her career, or this is what people know her for, because she's she's known for so much more. And, and it's been shameful to hear Donald Trump kind of disparage her by saying things like, oh, she's not my type. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Like, oh, she's not my type, so I don't want to sexually assault her. You know, it's 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 just degrading in so many different ways. It is. That's uh, just his defense. Is she's not my type, which suggests that if she there may he may have attacked her had she been his type. Uh, and uh, it's really upsetting. 
that uh, this again would be the, um, the front runner for the Republican nomination, and that evangelicals, self-professed uh, righteous people, would be embracing Donald Trump. Uh, a jury believed her accusation that he sexually assaulted her. Uh, so there you go. There's your candidate, MAGA. Uh, and uh, what about the double standard where Donald Trump gets to taunt the judge? Just think about all your years at uh, California uh, at the uh, at 26 and Cal. Romana, just the notion of a, of a uh, defendant, uh, just, you know, taunting the judge, ignoring the judge, defying the judge, mocking the prosecutor. Uh, what do you think would happen to that defendant? Um, first of all, I have to say that Donald Trump, there are double standards with Donald Trump for everything. So just his, uh, him being able to get away with stuff in court is just part of the many, 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 many different things that he has been able to get away since he stepped foot into the White House and since he left the White House. So um, it's 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 been crazy. I remember remember before he ran, um, before he became president, he said that he could shoot someone in Manhattan and no one would care. His supporters would still support him. Sadly, I think that's that probably is true. And so I, I I mean, I'm not shocked that he's been able to get away with a lot of stuff legally. But at the same time, it's 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 sad that this is like in the court of law. This is like through our legal system where everybody's supposed to be treated as equal, um, even though they might not be outside the courthouse. So, yeah, it's a sad state of affairs for sure. Oh, my God. There would be so many outraged articles if a defendant, uh, a gangster in Chicago were acting this way uh, in a courtroom. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, I urge everybody, Eugene uh, Harrell wrote a uh, book. Uh, I don't know if uh, Hunter Thompson, the only book of, of Eugene Harrell that I ever read, she wrote a, uh, a biography of Hunter Thompson, which was, I thought was a really good book. It was pretty funny and um, very revealing. And, and at one point, she kind of had that Hunter Thompson bravado uh, in, in her uh, themes and her, her style. So I, people are curious about her uh, career as a writer. You might want to check that one out. You can get it at the Chicago Public Library. Just go to the library and look it up. All right, we'll close with you uh, uh, talking about your latest column. I have not had the opportunity to read it, uh, and uh, but I know uh, you were telling me the other day what you were writing on, and I know you were very busy right up to the moment we began recording uh, this show, and I'm happy to say uh, that you met your deadline again, Ramon Hussein, deadline meter, uh, and as we speak, uh, it's being edited, uh, and will be uh, out by the time the show drops. So you could talk freely about uh, the column because you will not then scoop yourself because this this the column will be up before the show. So tell folks what you wrote. Uh, so um, a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe like even two weeks ago, uh, Violet Affleck, who is the daughter of Ben Affleck and uh, Jennifer Gardner, was uh, spotted in Beverly Hills with her mom wearing a crew neck shirt that had a watermelon on it. Um, and uh, there was outrage because the watermelon symbolizes uh, the pro-Palestinian cause. And uh, there's a group of people who were upset about, you know, her supporting Palestinians. And they said that the symbol of the watermelon erases Israel. And so um, that actually prompted more people to buy 
close from the company. And this, so it turns out I was just kind of like Googling, looking for a, a column idea. And I was remembering that happened. And I'm like, oh no, I, people wrote about it, but nobody really talked to the founders of the company. And then I, I saw the Twitter account for the company. And it turns out that this company was founded in Chicago. And so I talked to uh, the two young men who started the company and they started the company in 2016. So it's not just a company, uh, it's a clothing company and apparel company and they sell jewelry too, but it's, they kind of raise money for humanitarian aid. So their clothes like goes to, you know, the proceeds from their sales go towards like projects in Yemen, Syria, and these kids are um, sons of Palestinian refugees. And so they started a line in November. And uh, so when Jennifer, um, you know, they're, they were already pre pretty well known and they pretty have a, a strong following here and um, elsewhere around the world. And so after Jennifer Garner's daughter wore it and people started complaining about it, their sales have gone like mad. And so they said that, you know, they haven't been getting much sleep and uh, they have also... Um, hired five more people and they're um they've been able to raise more money for Gaza which um no matter what your political stance is you have to say that this is a good thing that they're doing by trying to help civilian um you know civilian people who've been affected by the bombing in Gaza and so i just thought it would be a good story to do because i don't think anybody had interviewed them and um you know i talked to them and they obviously trusted me enough and then they taught, you know, we just kind of had a chat about it. And I thought it was, it was kind of like a interesting story to write about. And I, I didn't see, I don't think I saw anybody do a story about their company locally, like different um, outlets have done stories about their company. Like when they started um, like Forbes magazine and, you know, ABC news and other, other organizations. So I thought it was um, a good idea to do this since uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner's daughter started, started a firestorm. And uh, so I did, I did a piece on that. And I have to tell you, Ben, both you and Lee Bay, um, my colleague on the editorial board, want, were hoping that I was doing something on Vivek Ramaswamy since he stepped down um, for his candidacy for president. So I thought it was funny because Lee Bay were in a Zoom call meeting and I'm like, yeah, I got to start working on my column. And Lee Bay's like, is it about Vivek? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I go, I, I was thinking about it. I really was. But then I told him, I'm like, don't worry, Vivek will do something. I just thought that would be a very obvious one. And so I was trying to look for something. I try to, I always try to look for something that nobody else has been, is talking about. And that's why I did Vivek Ramaswamy when he came in May, because nobody was paying attention to him, even even someone that one of my colleagues were was like, well, we're not going to send anybody because, I mean, the guy has no chance. And, you know, he did it. He didn't. But he did make a name for himself like months after that. So people know everybody knows who he is now. Yeah. No, so, uh, I disagree with the, your colleague on that point, because the issue is not whether he'll get the nomination, because obviously he's not going to get the nomination. The issue is, does he have impact on culture and politics beyond uh, his poor showing? And the answer to that is yes, a resounding yes. Uh, he had a big impact on culture uh, and politics uh, that uh, it was far more enormous than the minuscule vote he got in Iowa. And uh, so I do believe that politicians can have a significance beyond what uh, they got. Uh, Herman Cain had a significance. He, I don't know if he got it. I forget if, how long his, 
uh, career lasted. It, but he had an impact. And he could go through every single, just presidential cycles, there are candidates um, who, uh, Howard Dean, I don't know if you remember him, but he was oh, the, yeah, uh, I remember the him. governor of, he yelled. And, yeah, <laughs> yeehaw or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. He did, he did something crazy. I remember He that. is crazy yeah. and it just undercut him. But uh, he had a big impact in the Democratic Party because he represented, he had a voice for this, what was then the left uh, within the Democratic Party. So I disagree the notion. I think you can. Uh, and it's, I'm really glad you did the story and you went down to South Shore and, uh, uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm with Lee Bay hundred percent on this one. Listen, uh, I'm glad you did this other story. It's important. And you scooped everybody just like you scooped everybody on Vivek. Uh, and you scooped everybody about knowing who the hell E. Jean Carroll was. Uh, so yeah, it's important journalists get scooped, but yeah, I'm with Lee hundred percent on this one. Oh man, I wanted to see them wrapping up with the the, the the bow, you know, put the bow around that. Yeah, package. I know, I know. I well, I wanted to say, well, I wanted to say something different than I did last time. So I was like, oh, what do I say? I've already, <laughs> I already said what I needed to say about him. But I, I Lorraine, I have to tell you, Lorraine Forte, my boss, was saying the same thing. She goes, yeah, she's she's been wanting me to do, do another Vivek Ramaswamy column since I did my first one. So um, I told her, I'm like, don't worry, there's going to be something that he's going to be doing. So I, I will I will do something on him soon. Excellent. All right. We're going to hear that, Lee Bay. All right. Uh, I'll close with a little advice. What I do when I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is that I want to say in a column uh, that I've dealt with, uh, a, th- a column on a theme that I've dealt with before, I call your husband. Mick Dumkey. And I run through it. I go, Mick, what do you think about this? Uh, and then I pick his brain. Uh, and then it, it helps. You don't have to uh, go to Mick. There's probably a lot of other people. That's, but generally, uh, sometimes I call you. What, what, what do you think about this topic? Uh, and it always helps me uh, just hearing other people's thoughts. And then, of course, I have this advantage with this podcast, uh, Ramona, because I get to talk to everybody anyway. So, um, Anyway, I look forward to the column. It comes out uh, probably uh, later tonight. And uh, by the time the show drops, uh, it'll be out there for everyone to read. And it will be in my beloved bright one on Sunday, which is where I will read it because I read. the. Although, Ramana, as long as you're here, I'm going to complain. I didn't get my Sun-Times today. No delivery. Come on, Sun-Times. Did you get yours? I I did. I did. But um, if I was delivering it, I'd make sure you got it on your doorstep. But I was not delivering it. So, sorry. (laughs) I can't blame you. I'm not, I would just sort of, you know, you're my sometimes represented. Yeah, it didn't come. And it's just, I love that the newspaper, the sports. I had to read it on the phone. I felt like a millennial. Uh, all right, Ramana, thank you very much. Uh, great job as always. The great Ramana Hussain, uh, editorial writer, columnist for Chicago Sun Times, and comes on my humble little podcast every other week. Uh, have a great weekend. All right, Ramana? Thank you. You too. All right, this is great Ramana Hussain. I'm Ben Jarowski. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.